Welcome back to Two Sisters on a TV, the classic TV podcast that remembers and celebrates all things and everything classic TV. Well, as we continue our journey through the 70s for another episode, we decided what better way to take that journey than to do an episode about the life, career, and legacy of Farrah Fawcett, who definitely was the it girl of the entire decade. We want to take a look at just what huge phenomenon that she was. I mean, uh, there have been other celebrities, sex symbols, you know, to come along, you know, since Farrah, but I don't think anyone has made the impact that she made. You know, she was one of the, she was the biggest star in the country at one point. Even one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest star in the world. But why Farrah? What made her so special? What made her so, you know, what caused her to garner this level of attention? Because she was a phenomenon. Exactly uh, to the degree, rather, that she was in, uh, she was a cover story for TV Guide in May of 1977. You can easily buy this uh, edition of TV Guide over on eBay. And it, it was, the cover story was the Farrah Phenomenon. Because, I mean, that is exactly what she was. And, uh, you know, we want to take a look at the phenomenon that she was and a look at, well, why did she possibly blow up so, so big? But first of all, here's a little bit of background on Farrah. Farrah Fawcett was born on February 2nd, 1947 in Corpus Christi, Texas to Jim and Pauline Fawcett. She had an older sister, Diane. Diane was nine years older than she was. And Farrah had a normal, happy childhood. She was very athletic, very active. Uh, She's very friendly, very outgoing, even as a little girl. She really knew how to just kind of draw people to her because she had a great bubbly personality and she was a very, very pretty, very, very pretty girl. If you look at pictures of her as a child, you'll see just how really pretty she was at a very, very early age. And she garnered lots of attention as a kid because she was so strikingly beautiful. I mean, she would be out with her mom they'd be out shopping and you know strangers would come up and oh what a beautiful child what a pretty little girl so this continued all the way through you know her childhood and when she entered ray high school in 1962 for the three years that she attended that school she was nominated not nominated but she was selected as being the most beautiful girl in school for all three years she was in high school And when she entered college at the University of Texas in Austin, nothing changed. She was actually, again, not nominated, but she was selected, the only freshman to be selected as one of the most beautiful girls in school. I mean, there were boys who were literally lining up outside of the dorm just to go out with her, just to take a peek at her. And the intensity was so severe, if you will, that she had to move out of the dorm and move off campus. Some of the girls in the dorm were getting to be a little bit irritated by the whole thing because a lot of them, you know, had boyfriends and these guys were coming and they were checking out Farah, And, you know, so she became the object of a lot of jealousy, a lot of resentment. 
And so, so she really, again, very popular in college. Um, she did it the football, the captain of the football team, Greg Lott, and they were the golden couple of the entire campus. She was an art major and, you know, she was known for, you know, wearing, you know, cut off shorts to class and she just was her own person. Very confident in who she was, very friendly, very bubbly and outgoing. And people just liked her, you know, women liked her, the girls liked her. Of course, the guys were absolutely enthralled by her. And uh, this was something that continued, you know, throughout her life that never changed. And it was during that time when she was at the University of Texas, when she ended up, her picture ended up out in Hollywood on a um, an agent's desk. I believe his name was David Mirish. And so he began to call her periodically starting in 1966, suggesting that she come out to Hollywood because he felt that, you know, she could have a really good career out there. She definitely had the look of where she could actually be successful. But she was enjoying her life in college. College was one of her happiest periods in life. And she was enjoying her relationship with Greg Lott and studying art and, you know, learning more and more about sculpting, which that's also something that she did for the rest of her life, you know, her art and sculpting. And a lot of her pieces are absolutely beautiful. And before I go any further, if you really want to find out about Farrah Fawcett, there is a great two-hour documentary about her on YouTube from a and uh, It's a biography about her. And it is very detailed, very thorough. Tells you everything you want to know about Farrah's life. So I highly recommend it. I watched it last night again in preparation for this episode. And it's I highly recommend it. But by 1968, that summer, Farrah decided that she would go out to Hollywood just for the summer to check it out because, you know, She'd been continuing to get calls from David Mirish, you know, hey, you thought about coming out here and, you know, giving, you know, giving Hollywood a shot. So she decided she'd actually go out there. And so she went in July 1968. Her parents, you know, hitched a U-Haul to the back of their vehicle and they drove her out there to L.A. They dropped her off at a uh, housing unit for young actresses. And so her, the plan was that she just stay out there for the rest of the summer. And then she, of course, returned to Texas and to UT in the fall. But within two weeks, she was already signed to a contract and was doing commercials and making lots and lots of money. And she was enjoying the work and just enjoying the environment. And so she decided that she would just go ahead and stay. So she did not graduate from college, which she always regretted. She always did regret that she didn't finish up with college but she was really enthralled and captivated by Hollywood, and so she decided to stay. And within the next few weeks, she met Lee Majors, and of course they began to date, would end up moving in together. They married in 1973. And of course she began to you know, get parts in episodic television. She was in an episode of The Partridge Family, and then of course she was also in various TV movies and she was still still doing the commercials. So she was enjoying, you know, making a name for herself and establishing herself as an actress. And of course she enjoyed being married to Lee. They were very much in love. And she, you know, loved to play tennis. That was one of her favorite things to do. And she loved to cook. Farrah was a beautiful girl. And a lot of uh, the stereotype is that pretty girls can't cook. But Farrah was a gourmet cook. And she loved to cook these really amazing southern dishes. Like fried chicken and mashed potatoes and green beans. And she loved to especially cook German chocolate cakes. That was her specialty. 
So she just enjoyed working when she wanted to. She would appear on Lee's show from time to time. She had a recurring part in Harry O. And she would, of course, do her commercials. She'd do a TV movie here and there. But she didn't have to work unless she wanted to. She wasn't locked into anything. So she had still had time to play tennis and spend time with her girlfriends and spend time with Lee. So her life was really in a good place. But in 1976, she ended up doing a TV uh, movie about these three private detectives who worked for a boss they'd never seen before. This, of course, was the pilot for Charlie's Angels. And she didn't think that the movie that the movie was going to turn into a series, but it did turn into a series because the movie garnered huge, huge ratings. And so the network, ABC, wanted to go ahead and bring this show on board for the fall schedule for the 1976-77 season. They ordered a full season of episodes, and so Farrah was going to be starring in this weekly series. During that time, it was also recommended, I forget how it all went down, but um, somewhere someone in Hollywood recommended her for a poster. And so Farrah decided that she would do her own makeup, which she always did her own makeup. She did her own hair. She just pulled out a red bathing suit that she had, took some shots with a photographer. She had a blanket that she used in the background. And so they you know, tech took several stills, took a lot of pictures that day by the pool and you know, around her house. And some kind of way, this picture ended up becoming a poster and it was released in 1976 and it became the biggest selling poster in history. The poster would go on to sell 12 million copies. And if you want to buy that poster, you can head over to eBay. There are many, many copies of it over there. And uh, this poster definitely pretty much was the introduction to her journey into superstardom. Because this poster was on so many walls of teenage boys and a lot of girls bought the poster as well. And I know one of my friends told me that her dad had the Farrah Fawcett, <laughs> had the Farrah Fawcett poster, you know, in their house. And I asked her, so how'd your mom feel about that? And she said, oh, well, you know, she didn't really care. Um, you know, her dad also had a Farrah Fawcett mug and I think he had a Farrah Fawcett pillow. Um, so this was the beginning of, you know, her really becoming a huge sex symbol. But again, why Farrah? What what made Farrah so special? There are lots of pretty blondes. Lots of pretty blondes out in Hollywood at that time in the 70s. And so why was she so different? What made her really stand out? Well, in my humble opinion, um, I think there were a few things that did it. Now, a lot of people, you know, Farrah, definitely one of these most beloved entertainers, celebrities within, you know, entertainment history. She still is. I mean, if you go to YouTube, you go to TikTok, there are so many millennial girls, Gen Z girls who have videos about how to master the Farrah Fawcett hairdo. And just to focus on that for a bit, because there are a lot of Gen Xers, fellow Gen Xers, there are a lot of boomers who really leave rude comments to these young girls. I've seen some of them, and they're really nasty sometimes, really rude. They have positive feedback, but they have a lot that's negative. And I found out not too long ago that we have a following on this podcast. A lot of uh, people who are between the ages of 24 and 29 listen to this podcast. So 
thank you all for listening, first of all. And um, those of you who are out there doing these Farrah Fawcett videos, we just want you to know right now that Two Sisters in a TV supports you 100%. Do not let the critics, do not let the haters stop you. You keep doing those videos, keep doing those tutorials because you are rocking that hairstyle and you're really paying homage to Farrah Fawcett in the most wonderful way. So you keep doing what you're doing because we support you all 110%. But uh, I think that one reason why Farrah was so successful was because of the way that she looked so healthy. You know, if you look at, and, and I did, well, I watched some episodes of Charlie's Angels from the first season before, you know, in preparation for this episode. And I got to tell you, all these years later, um, I was, you know, looking at Farrah on screen and I'm still blown away by her. I'm still knocked out by just how beautiful she was. I mean, she just had a way, the way she carried herself, you know, is the way that she would giggle and the way that she would look away in embarrassment a lot. She was just adorable. She was very girly, very feminine. And like I said, she, she was the picture of health because she had this really fit tan body. You could tell that she was very athletic, that she exercised a lot. She played a lot of sports and uh, she loved to play tennis and was a dynamic tennis player. And she looked it, she looked healthy. She had these super white, perfectly, you know, just perfect white teeth all lined up together and they were stark white, whiter than snow. And, you know, she had all of this really thick, gorgeous, healthy blonde hair. Not yellow blonde, but kind of like frosted blonde. And it was also, you know, mixed with bits of auburn, bits of, you know, brown. And it was very, very, very thick, very, very healthy. You could tell she took care of her hair. And, you know, she had it cut, of course, into, you know, that, that famous Farrah flip, that famous Farrah hairstyle that women and girls were running to the salon in droves to acquire. And I wore, we both wore the Farrah faucet, you know, at different times. I wore it in college. My sister wore it when she was out of college, just out of college. It's a very fun hairstyle to wear. You feel very very sexy, very feminine, very empowered when you wear that hairstyle. And it's a lot of fun. It's fun to throw your hair around and, and your hair basically falls back into place. It's a lot of work though, I have to admit. It's a lot of work. You know, you really can't just go to sleep and wake up and you're going to have Farrah Fawcett hair. You know, you're going to have to, you know, use a curling iron. You're going to have to use hot rollers, regular hair rollers. You're going to have to use something and, you know, hairspray, mousse, gel. You're going to have to use something to keep your hair in place so that you can throw it around and flick it around and, you know, it falls back into place and you step outside and the wind runs through your hair and it's still, you know, you still look gorgeous. So would I wear that hairstyle again? Probably, maybe. I could see myself wearing it again in the future. My sister, I don't know about her, but I could maybe see myself wearing it, you know, down the road because the hairstyle is timeless. You still see it. You still see women wearing it of all ages. Um, and, uh, I definitely would not mind going down that road again because I used to love to have my, I used to have a picture of, of Farrah in my purse and I would whip it out 
and I went to a lady um, on my college campus at the beauty salon there, and she would cut it, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It really was, but I think that you know that was one of the things too that made Farrah just so appealing. That hair, not just the hairstyle, but the health of her hair. And then, like I said, she was very out, very very friendly girl, very outgoing, very bubbly, very sweet. Of those who worked on Charlie's Angels in the first season, um, they have said that Jacqueline Smith, and a lot of people consider her the most beautiful of all of the Charlie's Angels. And she was and still is a beautiful woman. You know, she was our mother's favorite. And um, so a lot of people, you know, still say that she was the most beautiful. And I definitely don't argue with that. But she was very um, reserved. She's a very nice, uh, nice lady, nice woman. But she was pretty quiet and pretty reserved and kind of kept to herself a lot. Kate Jackson, who was always my personal favorite, was very demanding, very difficult, um, could be very uh, bitchy. Hate to say it that way, but this is what people who worked on the show said about her, you know, she was very, uh, you know, um, she was very, she was very rude, very talented though. She's also the actress that even the harshest critics of the show have said that Kate Jackson was the only one of the angels who could act. And she was a great actress. She was nominated for an actress three times, all three years she was on the show. And, um, you know, but she, again, I think in her defense, she was so difficult because she wanted the show to be taken more seriously than what it was. She wanted it to be a lot like Cagney and Lacey was in the 80s, and it just never was. It was always fluff. It was very unrealistic. It was very campy, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's very, still to this day, Charlie's Angels is very entertaining, um, and she just didn't take that very well. And I also think that one reason, although she and Farrah were very close, all three actresses, Kate, Jacqueline, Farrah, very, very close. They really bonded. They were lifelong friends. Um, and you could tell in certain, I was, I was, you know, watching episodes, you know, just, you know, the past several days, and there were times when you would see Kate look at Farrah or Sabrina look at Jill, however you want to, you know, say it. And you could tell that she adored her. And you know, Farrah, definitely easy to adore. But I think also at the same time, she felt a little slighted that Farrah inadvertently hijacked her show because she was supposed to be the star of Charlie's Angels. It was her show and Farrah, not meaning to do so, pretty much stole it because she was the most popular of the angels. And as a result, like I said, I mean, she was the one that everyone was paying all the attention to. People to this day still can't believe that she was only on the show for one season. But as for Farrah... People behind the show who worked on the series said that Farrah was like a, just an explosion of sunshine. She was very friendly. Everyone loved her on the set. She was a really nice woman. Despite the fact that she was the biggest star in the country, the biggest star in the world, she didn't let it go to her head. I mean, she did, you know, definitely have somewhat of an ego in regard to she was very... Um, very particular about, you know, her hair in particular and the way that she looked, her appearance. She was very, very on point about that. She wanted to do her own makeup. She wanted to make sure she looked a certain way when she hit the cameras. Um, she definitely wanted to make sure that for the rest of her life, she was a very astute businesswoman. She wanted to make sure that she was paid. But she, she knew her worth and value. She knew what she brought to the table. 
She was very demanding when it came to the amount of money that she would earn for an appearance, a movie, um, anything. She was very, very demanding in that way. She was a very, very shrewd businesswoman as well. So she, she knew who she was and she knew, like I said, what she brought to the table. But she was still a very, you know, nice person. And uh, people did enjoy just being in her company. But a lot of people, Farah, to this day, still has her critics. Still, you know, sees a lot of you know cynicism. Oh, all she was was tooth, and, you know, all she was was teeth and hair. You know, that's all she was, teeth and hair. Oh, she only made it because she wore a bra. Oh, you know, she wasn't that pretty. Oh, you know, I never found her attractive. You know, her nose was bent. And I read this in um, because a TV guy did a cover story on the Farrah phenomenon in May of '77. And you can easily buy this, you know, issue on eBay. And I remember reading where that's one of the things that was in that um, article that her nose was bent. And I was kind of like, now y'all are just really being haters at this point to talk about this woman's nose. But uh, she definitely, like I said, had her critics. Um, But uh, I think the fact that also she just represented something about and within the 70s that I really can't explain Something about her was just very, was just very free. I mean, from the hair to the way that she walked, the way that she would run, just everything about her, she just represented freedom in a way. Um, again, it's kind of hard to really put into words, but she definitely fit the times. She fit the 70s and what the 70s was all about very, very well. And that's why I think that she was so insanely popular because the woman was a phenomenon. You know, I mean, the hair you had, I mean, the the hairstyle, that went across, you know, racial lines. All ages of women were getting the Farrah. Um, The poster, like I said, Charlie's Angels. So she was on a top five TV show. She had the most popular hairdo in the country next next to the Dorothy Hamill and the Afro. And then she um, had that poster, which sold 12 million copies, and which that within itself made her a wealthy woman because, you know, she received, I believe, 10% of every sale, you know, um, for the poster, she got 10%. So that right there made her a very, very wealthy woman. And then, of course, she had a deal with Fabergé for her own hair product line, her own shampoo line. So... um, like, I think there's just something about the decade that she fit into so well. And that's why she was the huge phenomenon that she was. And, of course, I got caught up in it, too. And my sister was, you know, born after the Farrah phenomenon. Um, but she, too, got caught up in Farrah Fawcett. And I'll tell you about how, how that happened in just a bit. But as for me, I was a little girl at the time when she was on Charlie's Angels and the poster and the hair and all that was happening, happening simultaneously. Um, I got caught up in it, too. Because for my sixth birthday, my mom asked me what I wanted, you know, for my birthday. And at the top of the list was a Farrah Fawcett doll. So, of course, my mom loved Charlie's Angels, too. And she supported my love for the show because she thought that these girls were good role models. You know, she was the same age as they were. And they were very independent. They were smart. They weren't catty. They didn't fight with each other. They didn't compete with each other. And, you know, they were very efficient and very competent. So she thought they were good role models for me. 
And plus, she thought the show was really good anyway. So she supported my enthusiasm about the show. And so she definitely did not mind me having a Farrah Fawcett doll. So she ordered the doll out of one of the catalogs. That's what we ordered, you know, things. As you recall, those of you who remember back in the day, we would order, you know, uh, from either Penny's catalog, Sears, or Montgomery Wards. So we ordered the doll. She ordered it for me. The doll, of course, no surprise, was on back order. So I didn't get it for my birthday. I got it like about a week later, but I was so excited to get that doll. It came in a green box with white writing on it and a big picture of Farrah was on the front of the box and I was so thrilled to get that doll. I still have the doll, by the way. And so I was caught in, in, in the whole Farrah Fawcett thing too, because like I said, I'll never forget when I first saw her on Charlie's Angels, the very first thing that really caught my attention was her smile. I remember thinking, This girl smiles a lot. She must really like the smile because she smiles all the time. But, um, you know, and of course, matter of fact, a a girlfriend of mine, um, I found this out a few years ago. She met Farrah Fawcett in 1977. They have the same birthday, as a matter of fact, February 2nd. She met Farrah um, during, you know, her peak. And she said that she was the very nicest person. She was so sweet, so adorable. So uh, if you're that nice and you're the biggest star in the world, in the country, that's saying a lot about you. So maybe that's why she blew up so big too, because the fact that she just was just her personality, the fact that she was so down to earth and that she could still be down to earth and be the biggest star in the world. Maybe that's why she too blew up to be as big as she was. But Farrah's fame never really left. I mean, she stayed a big star for the rest of her life. Even after she left the show after just a season, And I think I covered why she possibly left the show in our Charlie's Angels episode. Uh, We did two episodes. We did the first about the first season that we did a second episode about the subsequent seasons. So I think we covered that about why we think she left. But she stayed a big star for the rest of her life, like I was saying. So big to when my sister discovered Charlie's Angels in the 90s, she was enthralled by Farrah Fawcett as well. I had seen Charlie's Angels since 1984 or something. I was in middle school last time I saw it. So TNT was bringing it on on Friday, not Friday, Saturday nights. I hadn't seen it, like I said, since I was in middle school. So I was thrilled to be seeing it again. And I told my sister about it, you know, coming on Saturday nights. They showed a marathon of it one night, one week. And so she finally got to see Charlie's Angels because I talked about it, you know, off and on through the years. And she was so excited. I get to finally see this Charlie's Angels of yours. I had to get a sip of water. Sorry. But um, so, yeah, she got to see it and she totally fell in love with Farrah. Farrah Fawcett was still is her favorite angel. Because Charlie's Angels was coming on Get TV um, about a year ago or so. And I would tell her, oh, Charlie's Angels is on. And she'd always ask me the same thing. Is it a Farrah episode? Is it a Jill episode? And if it wasn't, you know, not she, you know, likes all of the other angels, but she only would watch it if Farrah was in it. So she's still very much a Farrah Fawcett fan. (laughs) That has not changed. And so am I. And uh, so, you know, Farrah left the show after a season. I think the reason why she did leave, like I said, I think she was just burnt out because, I mean, you know, she had a lot to deal with. You know, I mean, she was always, you know, having to do photo shoots, interviews. I mean, she was like the biggest star in the country, the biggest star in the world. 
and it took a toll on her marriage. You know, Lee Majors was not happy about his wife being more popular than he was. And he was complaining that his wife was always gone. They never got to spend any time together. So I think she was just burnt out. And plus she was trying to save her marriage. She always didn't want a marriage like her parents' marriage. Because they were married for a long time. They had a good marriage. And she always wanted that. And I think that's why she really left the show. And then she was unhappy about the merchandising. The fact that, you know, she wasn't getting enough. That she felt enough money for all of the insane merchandising that came from Charlie's Angels. So she left, I think, for a couple of reasons. But, of course, she went on to do, you know, a couple of cheesy films. And then in the 80s, she became a big, big, uh, you know, star when it came to doing TV movies. And she was able to prove that she could act because she was in the Broadway version of Extremities in 1983. And that's when people first found out that she could act. And then she did the film version three years later in 1986. Then she did The Burning Bed in 1984. Now, we were all talking about that the next day at school. That movie really was unbelievable. And not only was her performance phenomenal, but it also changed a lot of laws, brought attention to the very ugly, dark secret of spousal abuse. And so a lot of laws were changed. A lot of laws were erected by that movie. And Ferris' portrayal in it was absolutely astounding. Everything that we've ever seen her in, she was very good. She was great in The Apostle with Robert Duvall. That was released in 1997. She was in Small Sacrifices in 1989. That was on ABC. That was one of those movies that was like a two-parter. was on for a couple of nights. She was great in whatever she did. She was a great actress. And I was so happy for her that she got to prove that she was more than just a pretty face. She was more than just teeth and hair more than just Charlie's Angels, more than just a poster, that she was an actress. And she proved that over and over again. And that's something that she really wanted to do, was to prove that she was an act. And I think that that she was an actress, that she could act. And I think that, too, might have also been a reason why she left Charlie's Angels, the fact that she felt that she wasn't being stretched enough as an actress. Because she did say that. She wasn't crazy about the writing, about the scripts, And she kind of felt that she was a little bit pigeonholed and she wanted to do more as an actress. I think that also had a lot to do with the fact that she left the show when she did. More water. Personally, I wish she would have stayed for at least another season, though. I wish she had hung around for at least two seasons instead of just one. Because I know when she, you know, got out that she was leaving. Although Kate Jackson was my favorite. I was still not happy about Farrah Fawcett leaving because she brought so much to the table and I really liked her. I thought she was just, just, just adorable. And I was not happy about the fact that she was leaving. Um, and you know, it sent shockwaves throughout Hollywood and, and throughout the country. Fortunately, she had a great replacement on the show. Cheryl Latt came in, portrayed Jill's little sister, Chris. And you know, she was like wonderful replacement. Wonderful. Farrah actually was so surprised that Cheryl Ladd replaced her so easily, easily, so effortlessly. She actually said, I didn't know I could be replaced so easily. But, uh, yeah, she, you know, was replaced on the show very easily. And she did, by the way, end up coming back to the show because after she left the show, she was sued by Aaron Spelling and Leonard Goldberg. And so the lawsuit was eventually settled the following year. And it was stipulated that she would come back to Charlie's Angels for six episodes. 
um, over a two-season period. So she did come back. And I love those episodes that she'd come back. It was great to see three, four of them together. It said, you know, the three, you had four, which was great for us at recess at school. Because that meant you could have another girl to come and play with you. And you could have four Charlie's Angels instead of the three. So it was great. But, uh, yeah, Farrah Fawcett, like I said, definitely, I mean, unforgettable. Absolutely unforgettable actress. Unforgettable sex symbol. Like I said, the hair, I still see Farrah Fawcett hair. And uh, like I said, I will probably wear that hairstyle again in the future. I'm wearing a pixie right now, which I love. I haven't had a pixie in almost 30 years. But I get to myself doing the Farrah again. I would love to wear that hairstyle again. But Farrah, again, remained very, you know, like I said, she remained in the spotlight. She and Lee Majors, they would separate and then divorce. And then she, of course, took up with Ryan O'Neill. They were together for a long, long time. And then they broke up and then they kind of got back together. And then she did reconnect with her old college boyfriend from UT, Greg Lott, in the late 90s. So Farrah always kept a man in her life. She always did. She always had a close circle of friends. She stayed very close to Jacqueline Smith and Farrah Fawcett. I'm sorry, Farrah Fawcett. Kate Jackson. She stayed very close to Kate Jackson and Jacqueline Smith. Stayed very close to her parents and to her sister. She would lose her sister and her mother, um, you know, before she herself would pass away in uh, 2009 at the age of 62. She passed away on June the 25th, 2009. And I got to tell you, she was diagnosed with anal cancer in 2006. And I tell you, that woman fought. She fought like mad to hold on to her life. She even went to Germany to get cancer treatments over there, which she thought things weren't going well enough here in, in the United States and in L.A. She went all the way to Germany. So this woman really, really wanted to live. And I tell you, we were brokenhearted when we found out that she was ill. And, you know, we watched the whole Farrah story on NBC where you saw her journey trying to fight for her life and battle cancer. And I must say, Ryan O'Neill, I definitely had my criticisms of him off and on through the years when they were together. But he really did stick by her when she was sick. He was really there for her, as well as her girlfriend, Alana Stewart. I mean, she had a great support system. And, uh, you know, her son, Redmond, who was born in 1985, you know, Redmond, very troubled um, young man. I haven't heard a lot about Redmond uh, lately. I wish him well. But, uh, you know, she adored Redmond and he adored her. She loved being a mother. And, uh, you know, she's very much missed, very much missed. Sometimes I still can't believe that she really is no longer with us. Because she just was such of a, a presence. Like I said, just watching that biography and watching the Charlie's Angels episodes that I watched. She was a presence on screen. She lit up the screen. Every scene she was in, she just lit up the screen. And like I said, she'd toss her hair and she'd giggle. She would just flash off those perfectly stark white teeth. And... I still am captivated by her all these years later. Still very captivated by Farrah Fawcett. We both are. So it made sense to do this episode as we, you know, want to do one more episode in the 70s before we jump back to the 60s. Doing Farrah Fawcett just made total sense. But uh, yeah, check out that biography on uh, YouTube from um, A&E about Farrah. Uh, you know, if you are a fan of hers, even a little bit, or if you don't even know who she was, a lot of people, you know, 
believe it or not, they don't know Farrah Fawcett anymore. I mean, I was watching, um, oh, this was a while ago. Uh, I was at work and I was uh, watching something about her on my phone. And one of the girls at work, who's that? I saw Farrah Fawcett. Oh, I don't think I know her. So, and yeah, so if you don't know who she is or if, if you remember her like we do or, you know, uh, you wore her hairstyle in the 70s or you had, you had her poster on your wall or whatever, or, you know, maybe you had a Farrah Fawcett, uh, you know, pillow or you had a mug or you had uh, one of the dolls because I had her Charlie's Angels doll and her Farrah doll. Uh, check out that biography. You will not be disappointed. And that's going to conclude today's episode of Two Sisters in the TV as we took it back again to the 70s and looked at the life and the career and the legacy of Farrah Fawcett. We tried to make this episode not too, too long because, I mean, again, there's so much to talk about where she's concerned. And one, there's a two-hour documentary or biography about her because there's a lot to say. There's a lot to tell. You know, like I said, she definitely was a presence and she made her mark. Um, before we close it out, though, I remember hearing that in 1978, she went to the Cannes Film Festival and total pandemonium, pandemonium, rather total, total chaos. Fans and paparazzi surrounded the limo she was in to the degree she couldn't even get out. Fans actually jumped on top of the limo on the roof of the limo and almost fell through the limo to get a look at her to get a picture of her. It was unbelievable the amount of attention that this woman garnered and the amount of love that she still has to this very day. Um, like I said, um, you know, beautiful woman. Absolutely just, just just stunning just to look at, you know, just, just breathtaking. And like I said, wonderful actress. I love watching her dramatic roles. I love forgetting about Jill Monroe and Charlie's Angels and just looking at Farrah Fawcett. So she definitely had a huge impact upon the two of us. And so we just had to pay homage to her today. And um, thank you so much for joining us as we took a look back at Farrah Fawcett. We'll have a brand new episode later in the week. Again, we're going back to the 1960s for a couple of episodes. So thank you so much for joining us for that. We hope that you'll tune in for those. And uh, thank you for following us over on Spotify. If you've not become a follower, smash that follow button. We love to get new followers. Thank you for hitting us up over on Apple Podcasts, giving us a rating, giving us a review. Thank you for your support. It is beyond invaluable to We Two Sisters. And we will see you on the next episode.